Dybala! He is something else. Di Lorenzo, and still Di Lorenzo! The captain brings the house down. Pantelopea champions once again, but the 33-year wait will now officially come to an end. Ciao ragazzi and welcome to another edition of Serie A Sit Down, World Football Index's podcast for your calcio to go. I'm Frank Crivello, he's Richard Carmen. Ciao Richard. Ciao Frank, how are we doing? Uh, long holiday weekend here in the States, huh? Yeah, it was a long weekend. It was hot over here, holy shit. It was, it was hot like over here the, too, it still is it was, hot over here. Yeah, you, yeah, it's, 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 it's cooling down at night though, so that's kind of good. But Not here. You know, Kind of feeling like fall, but man, it was uh, triple digits here. Yeah, little little uh, little steamy over the weekend. So uh, so was Calcio. So was Calcio. We had some uh, yeah, seven sisters playing against each other, huh? So we got to get a little taste of how some of these teams go against other big teams. So uh, steamy yeah. indeed. Steamy indeed. Yeah, I love how I uh, love how you uh, segued into that, Anthony. <laughs> stop taking my tweets. That was my tweet saying that <laughs> Chelsea could use Ruben, Pulisic, and Giroud. So. And now you bring it into the chat like it's your own, Anthony. Come on, we we have conversations about this. We don't take we don't take people's ideas and pass them off as their own. So, uh, ciao, Anthony. Ciao, Apex. Uh, Salute. What are we drink? Salute. What are we drinking tonight, everybody? I hope you're enjoying it. So, I'm drinking some uh, little uh, decaf coffee for me. Throat's a little, eh, you know. Okay, I had a I finished some water, but now I'm enjoying a beverage. So. It's uh, it's it's what it is. So, yeah. um, we have a loaded show tonight, uh, Richard. Yeah. We got a lot to unpack. So I think we're gonna go so hard tonight. We can take off next week since it's the well, international break, and we do take our right. we do take we do take those off. So yeah. we might we might pop in to kind of give a discussion of the the, uh, the Derby della Madonnina taking place on September sixteenth. We probably should, and you know, we might might yeah. do a little bit of we might might get a preview in uh next week uh but but we'll see we'll we'll play it by ear because we got so much to cover and I, I will say before we get out of here tonight we will make our final predictions of the city out season so if your panties were in a bunch after the first time we mentioned this hold on to your horses oh yeah uh, we have made some changes we have made some shifts each of us have i'm looking at my uh predictions in front of me here and still thinking you know i think this is i think this is right but um I will. Uh, I'll, I'll be interested to have that conversation with you when we get to that. So, Frozen, um, don't worry, you're still last. <laughs> yeah. Who won Calcio Twitter is time permitting uh, this week, just because we have so much to cover. We have match week three. There were three big games. Um, you know, we have the uh, the reaction to the draw for the respective European competitions featuring the yeah. Serie A teams. Spalletti, uh, his first tests uh, as Italy boss. Uh, and then also, you know, a roundup of the Mercato. That's all been closing. So, so much to react to. Yeah. Um, you know, so much has happened since the last time we were with you. And we want to give that its due. So let's start, Richard, by going through, you know, the we'll, we'll start going one by one on the big games on the weekend. Um, and let's start uh, with Roma and Milan. Um, it was uh, uh, Mourinho lining up uh, with uh, his – Typical three, uh, four, two, one. Some will call it a three, five, two. I think it was a three, four, two, one. Uh, Patricio and goal. Mancini, Smalling, Lorente, 
Uh, Chelik and Zalewski as the wingbacks. Paredes and Cristante in front of the back three. And then it was uh, El Sharawi, Awar, and Belotti. Uh, Milan coming out with Mignon. Uh, the 4-3-3 that they've been starting to play, Calabria, Chao, Tomori, Hernandez. Um, and then you've got Krunic, uh, Ruben Loftus-Cheek, Tiani Reinders. Um, and then you had Leao, Giroud, and Pulisic. So they, you know, Pioli continues to start uh, the same 11. Um, but let's, uh, I mean, we, we, we this game happened on Friday. Everybody that's in this chat that's listening, everybody that saw the show saw it. Milan win. Uh, they win 2-1. to one. They get a penalty. Uh, in the ninth minute, uh, scored by Olivier Giroud. Uh, it was a penalty, guys. I mean, the only people that were upset about it were Roma fans. Um, uh, Lofton, you could have almost argued that was a clear goal-scoring opportunity because once he got through Rui Patricio until Rui Patricio tripped Ruben Loftus-Cheek. Um, so they go up 1-0, and then uh, in the second half, just three minutes in, uh, Rafael Leao scores from sea level. <laughs> um, uh, a goal of the week candidate there to put the Rosanetti up 2-0. Uh, clearly, the if we had a one-week crap on a cracker, this guy's the captain, Fik Tamori. Uh, <laughs> yeah. With a just another boneheaded challenge on Andrea Bellotti. Uh, one yellow plus two yellows equals a red. And uh, we, you know... I'll come back to that in a minute. Milan had to regroup, get down to uh, 10 men. Um, and uh, it was in stoppage time. Uh, Spinazzola with a goal that w- that ended up being deflected, but it's a goal that's credited to Spinazzola, uh, making it 2-1. little bit, it made it a little bit interesting, but in the end, Milan hold on, win their third in a row. Um, let's talk about it from the Milan perspective because – it's a it's a Jekyll and Hyde type of situation with them. Yeah. Right? Completely dominant for the first sixty to seventy minutes. Um, the red card happens. They have to regroup. Um, one of the notes that I mentioned, and we talked about this, is that okay? They have to now defend. Roma's going to have the ball for larger periods of time. And I like what Pioli did with the substitutions. He went with you know he brought Leo out of the game. Brought Pulisic out of the game, brought Giroud out of the game, had to bring in an extra midfielder, so Popega comes on. But he goes with Okafor and Chukwese, who have pace and are guys you can counter to that can run at. And we talked about this going in. If we could, you could isolate these Roma defenders in 1v1 situations, they're, they're weak in those situations, especially Smalling, who has gotten smoked a couple times coming in. So I liked how Pioli said, all right, I can take my chances defending with seven. I got a two goal lead, but if you guys slip up, we're countering and we're getting behind you with these guys. Uh, so I guess we can start with Pioli's performance in terms of managing this match overall. Uh, came through in a big game, and I thought he got just about everything right uh, in how he uh, set his Milan up to win this game. Yeah, he even uh, shushed Mourinho uh, during the game as well. Um, yeah, I think Pioli deserves a lot of credit. He tinkered a little bit with the formation. I've seen what he he did in this game before, uh, a little bit this early in the preseason. I saw a little bit at the end of last year, but brief moments, not like we've seen a little bit more stable this year where Teo and Calabria come in the middle of the mm-hmm. midfield, and you see Krunic dropped in between Tomori and Chow. So like, it's like a new back three with uh, 
Teo Hernandez to collaborate a little bit more freedom in the middle, which has been an interesting wrinkle because, as Pioli understood from last year, the midfield tends to win the game. And if you can mm-hmm. control the midfield, that's how you win the game. And I thought, uh, I thought Pioli did a wonderful job. Milan did a wonderful job. Completely dominant. Um, mostly, you know, you got to give credit to Pioli for getting his guys ready instead of for the play. He understood where Roma were going to be weak, where they're going to be, where they're going to go for the attack. And he shut them down. He went for the attack. Milan, you know, we'll, we'll compare this to the the Napoli-Lazio game later, but I thought Milan did very well, created a lot of opportunities, um, and really, I don't think, well, one, Roma had no opportunities on target in the first half, and really, it's a tale of two games, right? The first 60, 70 minutes, Milan were completely dominant. I mean, they were playing them off the park, especially two-goal lead, could have been three. Once that red card happened, it was a little bit more of an even game. Yes, uh, Roma had possession of the ball, but I think, again, to your point, Pioli, really with the great substitutions, the one, the one thing I will, I will yell at him about is, and I think Bonetti may have brought this up in the podcast, uh, the podcast uh, on the telecast, was that you guys on the yellow take him out earlier and put on Kalulu, right? I mean, they did that. He did that. A couple, I don't know last week or the week before, where Chow had a yellow card and they took him off early. So he should have done the same thing with Tamori here. But other than that, I thought the substitutions were great. Good to yeah. see Lulu in there. He, you know he's going to get now opportunity in the, in the Derby della Madonnina. So, you know, well done by Pioli and company to kind of get the job done. And, yeah, it was shaky at the end. And it should be because you're, you know, Roma's with the advantage there. Lukaku looks like he will be something special for them, you know, potentially this year. So, um, yeah, well done by Milan and, and Pioli. What's aggravating about these red card, this red card, the two yellows, both fouls didn't need to happen. Um, yeah. you know, both were in situations where Belotti had the ball. Yes. Was Belotti a danger? Absolutely not. Back was to the goal. Back was to where he could be dangerous. Um, and Tomori fouled him both times anyway and got booked both times. I mean, it, it's a, you know, it's, it's just clumsy defending from him. Um, I think where Milan fans have been critical over the past several months with him is that, it's not in his tackling or his late tackling or his fouling. It's his positioning and intending to get lost sometimes. I don't think the positioning was such an issue in this game as much as just the the overall lack of patience um, in terms of dealing with a striker like Andrea Bellotti. He's not going to get past you, you know. So there's in both moments, there's just no need to foul him. And I think it's about timing because – when Tomori was excellent for, for Milan, he was always aggressive. Even when he had a yell, he was always aggressive, but he would just make the tackles. He would get the ball. And now his timing is off for whatever reason. And if you're not going to get there on time, you have to be smart about it, especially when you're already on a yellow card. I mean, where he, where he fouled Belotti was way out of the area. Belotti had his back to goal going the opposite direction. There's no point in fouling him there. No. So you got to think about these things because we you know when you play in a, in a game that really where it matters, where it comes down the line or it's a big derby game or it's Champions League, it, it's make or break for your team there. And I think Tamori needs to do better than that. And if he doesn't, he'll find himself on the bench because I think Pierre Kalulu is more than capable of playing in a, as a center back. And, and Kiara as well, even though Kiara I think is on his last legs, I think Kalulu certainly showed that he's very versatile, can play pretty much anywhere in the back line or anywhere in the midfield, really. So, yeah, Tamori's got to have to clean up the mental game, I think, and work on his timing because that was really the, the big difference yeah. between when he was doing well versus now. Yeah. Um, you know, I thought Kalulu, you know, I thought Kalulu was composed for the role that he had to play when he came in. Chow moves over to the left of that center back pairing because he's naturally left-footed. 
Um, you know, so there's, you know, so you can have that, you can kind of have that going on. Um, and then I, you know, let's, let's come back to how he's got his fullbacks now playing a little narrower and then Teo is still going to run at you wide in a lot of, a lot of situations and stuff like that. The other reason why I like that. And then Krunich, you know, kind of playing as part of a back three and kind of being, it, it creates function within the midfield and it makes the midfield far more unpredictable. You've got Ruben Loftus-Cheek who can just charge from box to box and right now is just is playing really, really good. He, he looks reborn, uh, you know, through these first three games. And then you've got Reinders who's kind of the – he's the technician of the three. Yeah. Um, you know, he sees it, he passes, he helps his team keep the ball. I made these comments before the season when I looked at Reinders and when I looked at a lot of his tape. He's not – he's not going to – play the low percentage pass you know he's not going he doesn't take the unnecessary risks he helps you keep it and then he gets himself into advanced positions from there too so the the the, it it suits their characteristics and and Pulisic obviously has been has been very good on the right uh and then you get Leao into it I mean Leao just completely uh (laughs) made Mancini looked foolish on that side multiple times. He's playing world-class um, level at the moment. <laughs> yep, over the course of that game. So, um, you know, overall, good performance from Milan and a good win. And an important win. You, you Roma away and in a situation where you've got to find a way to win. You get a, a player sent off, you're down to 10, you've got to close the game off. And I thought that Pioli made the right decisions in terms of, you know, in terms of doing that. Now, <laughs> I, there's, I'm going to play a little bit of devil's advocate here. Um, the Roma that Mourinho put out was a forced – basically Mourinho's hand is forced uh, because he doesn't have he doesn't have all of the players at his disposal that he wants. He's got injuries, Dybala chief among them. Pellegrini can't give you 90 minutes yet. Um, so this is a very – this becomes a very predictable Roma side where it's going to come to Belotti – and you're hoping that El Shadawi can get through. Otherwise, you're going to need to get it out of the wingbacks. But there wasn't really anywhere for Roma to go. Um, and when Roma got the ball, there wasn't, you know, there's Belotti getting the ball and holding it. But I didn't see a lot of El Shadawi going out and running in front of him and getting into dangerous positions or Alwar when he was in and then he got hurt. And then when it comes back to Pellegrini, well, Pellegrini's just sitting in a, you know, in a midfield position. Um, behind the striker, it's not his game to go running in front of the striker and getting into. In, in, you know, he's his job is to pick out El Shirali. Well, when that happens, all right, we're going to come back to Pellegrini, and as a defense, we'll just drop off because El Shirali's running, or or Zalewski's running, or Chelik is running, and we can just deal with that as they come in, and we'll be able to see it, win it, and go the other way. Uh, so, I will say, while it's an impressive. When, when you just look at it in terms of the overall fixture, when you peel the onion a little bit, you look at it and say, this isn't the Roma that we're going to have uh, once all of the parts are ready to go. So in the end, you're just going to say, Milan should win this game. And it's a good thing that they did. Yeah, and you even kind of said so in the last podcast. You're like, there's no way really that Roma should win this game based on the way these two teams are playing at the moment. I think the way Mourinho lined up his team, well, you know, like you said, this is what he had to go with. And I was surprised. Uh, I was expecting, yeah, we know Mourinho likes a counter and because of the team possession, but I fully expected they would try to, he would try to counter what Milan's special attack, 
strengths are by keeping the ball a little bit more, making it more cl- closer to 50-50. And Milan had something like 70% possession in the first seven yeah. minutes of the game. It wasn't even close, honestly. Yeah. At times when they did have possession, Milan were quick to close them down. I thought, you know, Celic was pretty bad. I thought in this game overall, Awar, I know he got, I think he picked up an injury that he had to come off early and Pellegrini came on. Um, but yeah, really, it was like nothing for Roma. There's no substance. They really created nothing for mm-hmm. the majority of the game, honestly. And it wasn't until you saw Big Rom get into the game where they kind of found an identity and he kind of did his thing, was a bull in China shop. Um, so holding up the play and, and sending up guys, uh, that's when you really started seeing what Roma potentially could be. And you know, Zalewski, whether Zalewski or Spinazzola on the left, you know, they got some you know flexibility there. But like you said, this isn't by any stretch what the Roma we're going to see as the season progresses on, especially yeah. when number 21 gets back into the lineup. He is their, you know, world-class talent that they have on their team. And so seeing him with, uh, you know, mixing up with Belotti and, and Lukaku should be a very entertaining uh, team to watch going forward. Defensively, yeah, they got some things they need to work on, especially, you know, Smalling is getting beat for pace lately. You know, it seems like more and more every game, so... Um, and Rui, Rui Patricio is another guy. I mean, I, there really is no option for them at this point. But uh, Mourinho likes Rui Patricio, you know, his countryman for whatever reason. Uh, but it's he's not getting the job done either. And so, yeah, Roma just have to, you know, script this as a loss and move on forward and, and just work on the next game because, you know, you, you dwell on this too much, you're going to get really back behind in the table and you don't want to at this point. So just, you know, chalk us up loss. You have injuries. Mourinho is going to make the excuse anyway, as he should. Uh, and then and move forward. I think Milan, well, we, I was more impressed by Milan's performance than I was disappointed how Roma played. Uh, how bad is Evan Indica that he can't get into this team that it keeps being Mancini, Smalley, and Lorente yeah. uh, across the back? Yeah. You know, I mean. Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, it, 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 maybe it's a, it's more about position and trying to get him familiarized with what Mourinho wants. I don't know. It's, that's it's, probably it's it. It's perplexing to me. It's perplexing to me. Well, I mean, if he plays, he's got a he, he's he's pretty much a vice Mancini in the back three. He plays on the right hand side of the back three, and you're you're not you're not taking Mancini out. I mean, at some point, Mourinho, if if, if the best because what Indica has at least is he has recovery pace that maybe Smalling doesn't have anymore, and you might see small Mancini get moved into the middle, Smalling get sacrificed, and Indica playing on the right. We'll have to see. I mean, that that's one thing. DiBala. Lukaku getting more acclimated. Lukaku looked motivated. Um, yeah. You know that there were moments with him. He looked like Conte's Lukaku out there. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I, I'm not afraid to say that from what I watched. That was that. You know, that's the impact that I thought that he had. And yeah, Milan had ten players, but um, he wanted the ball. He demanded it. He demanded players moving to. He can set them up. He you know in creating things. So that was the. Conte Lukaku we watched out there. And if that's any indication, then then Roma's going to be fine, um, yeah. you know, yeah. once they get him further integrated into the team. And my my, uh, my predictions are going to suggest that, too. And I think, so. I think you know, more of Spinazzola, more of Bove, more of Pellegrini on top of, you know, Dybala, Lukaku mm-hmm. coming on will do world of wonders for Roma going, going forward. Yep. And I think they will be fine. It's just going to take some time to get, you know, get their pieces back together, basically. Yeah. Yep. And just... As long as Mourinho doesn't piss everybody off over there. So, because there is something about his, you know, him wearing out his welcome after a third season. So, and Ollie, Ollie makes a good point. Milan, Milan were just lucky that they played Roma early. That's, that's very possible. They caught Roma at a good time. Yeah. So, you know, that, that, that can be said. And we did talk about that, you know, a little bit. I mean, I mean, 
Milan gifted Roma into the game. I mean, the Tamori red card, but I mean, even Giroud's foul before halftime. Yeah. I'm reminded of, uh, you ever seen, it's an old uh, video um, from old English football from the 90s. I think it might have been 90s or late 80s or something like that. Uh, it's an old, older, old English comedian by the name of Danny Baker. He had a thing called Own Goals and Gaffs. And it's just it's it's a tape full of own goals and silly mistakes that are uh, you know where it's all comedy and that sort of thing. And I'm just reminded of a segment of a of a clip that he showed where a number nine from the other team tried to come all the way back to help his team defend, and he gave up a penalty. And it's like the rest of his team were looking at him, said, "What are you doing back here? Go away!" <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know. It just kind of reminded me of that when Giroud committed that stupid foul, and I think he committed it on Pellegrini. It's just like. Yeah, everybody's compact. They're waiting for for Pellegrini. To, what are you doing, coming back and fouling him and letting him just have a yeah. free kick and having him a chance to regroup? It just yeah. is like there were enough mental errors that a a one hundred percent Roma might have done something with this game. Yeah. So yeah, you know sure. that's the one thing. If we're going to play devil's advocate about Milan's performance, we really need to pay attention to that. We can we can sit here as Milan fans and smile all we want about being three, you know, three played three one three nine points, um, you know, and, and all of this other stuff and perfect hundred percent record going into the derby against Inter, who has a hundred percent record. But we got to really look at the reality, and that is, you know, a, a full strength a full strength Roma, and this might be a different story. Well. We go from one Roman club who, when they the rare time they got the ball, they did nothing with it on the counter, to a team that did everything in the world and did almost played a perfect game. And I think they did play a perfect game. Uh, we're talking about Napoli, Napoli hosting Lazio, uh, entertaining game. Uh, the, the the current champions against uh, Mauricio Sarri's men. Uh, the host started with uh, Moret and goal. Di Lorenzo, Rahmani, Juan Jesus, and uh, Mateus Oliveira in the defense. Of course, Anguisa, Labota, Zelensky in the middle with uh, Havrashelia, Osim, and Napolitano up top. Uh, Lazio would start with uh, Provadel, the best goalkeeper last season, with uh, Marosis, Casale, Romagnoli, a, a center back pairing we're, we're very high on, as well as Husai, uh, midfield Kamada, Kamada, new, new player for, um, for Lazio from Frankfurt, with Cataldi, Luis Alberto, and then Felipe Anderson and Zaccani flanking Immobile. Uh, interesting game. Not, not, I mean, it's something very, a game very similar to the game we just talked about, where one team had all possession, the other team had none. Um, as you expect, Lazio or Napoli with a lot of possession in the game. It started off early. I mean, it just hogging possession, really. Uh, not really doing much with the ball, though. I mean, yes, they had a lot of, a lot of uh, possession and everything, but what we saw is Lazio waiting their opportunities, being very disciplined, very compact in the back. Um, Maurizio Sarri looking like uh, Jose Mourinho team from you know back in the early 2010s, uh, being very disciplined. And what we saw is they got an opportunity, they took advantage of Felipe Anderson off the turnover, comes down the pitch, um, uh, crosses into the middle, and Luis Alberto with a beautiful flick goal of the week, Canada there, back heel, uh, pass the keeper, nothing really Moret could have done about that. It was a fantastic play by Luis Alberto, full credit to him. And first opportunity for Lazio, they score. Uh, but as the champions, you would expect they came back really quickly just two minutes later. Uh, Zelensky, really Napoli's first opportunity of the game themselves in terms of putting a threat on uh, Provadel. Zelensky takes a shot out of urgency. Obviously, they're down one nothing. gets a nice deflection, goes into the back of the net, 1-1. And look, you're thinking, okay, here we go. Get some goals. Napoli finally woke up. Uh, they go to halftime by that score. Uh, coming out of the gate in the second half, again, more possession by Napoli. But another turnover. 
Felipe Anderson getting involved again. Uh, plays a pass. Nice dummy by Luis Alberto. Completely fixed out of defense by Napoli. Finds Daichi Kamada, uh, who puts a wonderful shot past the keeper. Uh, two to one. And that's basically like two shots, two goals for, for Lazio. I, I will say there's two other goals that were scored by Lazio just after this. Uh, both yeah. taken back. Both offsides. Good calls. But it shows Correct. you what Lazio is capable of. We saw some substitutions in this game. But I think where I want to start with this is that two teams that look good. But I think, you know, comparing... Milan's possession versus Napoli's possession is that Milan looked like they were doing stuff. They were dangerous when they had the ball. Napoli really didn't do much offensively. Yeah, they had, you know, they're, they were just missing their passes, but in terms of the dangerous opportunities, Lazio had the majority of the dangerous opportunities in this game, and they only had the ball. It, like, it felt like umpteen times. It really wasn't that much. What were your thoughts on on, on the way Maurizio Sarri was able to line up his team and, and kind of soak up the pressure that, uh, that Napoli were able to put on him? I wanted to rewatch some of what went on in this game so that I understood what I saw or I could confirm what I saw. And I think where Lazio started um, was completely compacting the 18-yard area um, and basically smothering Victor Alcimen. Because yeah. uh, what do you see when teams play against Napoli? Okay, and why is Alcimen so successful in scoring goals? He's got a good box presence, knows where the center backs are going to be, drifts off of them, ball gets played to him, he scores, Okay. You saw Cataldi and Kamada, um, you know, not so much Luis Alberto, but he had his moments where he dropped in there. Yeah. Um, that they just – they got into the box and they just went ahead and occupied some of those spots that Ossiman would drift into. Okay, so Ossiman finishes the game with three shots off target and two shots blocked. Okay, because there's yeah. no room for him. There's no room for him to finish. One shot in the skybox, too. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> Lazio said, "We're going to choke out all the spaces that Victor Osimhen likes to get into. We're going to take our chances with Fadatelia uh, doing what he does on the left, and we're going to take a cha- take our chances with Zielinski from distance. And realistically, the only goal, the only way Napoli was going to score with the way Lazio defended in this game was the goal that came from Zielinski. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Um, from distance, taking a deflection. I mean." Uh, that's how well Lazio executed this. And some of it, you're going to need a little bit of luck. You're going to need Fonatelia to be off target, and he was. Uh, with his he, had chances, the, he, but- he had that best opportunity for Napoli outside of that Zelensky goal where Provo mm-hmm. dealt with a fantastic save. Probably the first 20 minutes of the game, wonderful play by Harashiela. Pretty much the only thing he did all game. Yeah, so so that was all intriguing to me. And I think that, that Lazio, I mean, Milan obviously have a blueprint for for how to beat Napoli as they, as they demonstrated multiple times last year and Lazio now have their way of doing it. So, um, you know, so, so that was interesting. I mean, it was like, okay, it was a lot of possession and I wouldn't say uh, no purpose for Napoli. I just think that Napoli were just taking what they were given in this game and, and, and what they were given were chances that Lazio were happy to live with, um, and and credit to him for, and and you need a little bit of luck to win a game when you're going to take your chances with letting Fadatelia have a lot of chances, letting Zielinski have a lot of chances through the midfield, um, but the uh, the right sided player didn't get involved, uh, and I, I couldn't even tell you who was playing on the right for Napoli in this game. I would think it was was it Politano? Yeah, he was yeah. trash. Yeah, Sofascore gave him a good rating. I thought he was terrible. Um, yeah, so, and I'm not sure what Angisa was doing. So, um, yeah, Dominic, Saudi's come to his senses about Luis Alberto, hasn't he? Um, he was masterful. 
Masterful yeah. game. Outstanding. Um, I couple more comments that I have here. I mean, the one time Kamada is, I think this, that's the first time Kamada has ventured into an opponent's penalty area in the three games he's played in for Lazio. And look, he scores a goal. Yeah. He'll so, do that more often, probably. Maybe. <laughs> but I think now the two goals for Lazio, as wonderful as they are, I think are, are, are just as much an indictment on Napoli defensively. I think the concentration was completely lost, especially on the Luis Alberto goal to leave him that wide open. Yeah. Um, a lot of ball watching and not a lot of tackling uh, from Napoli in, in both situations um, because as, as, as great as Luis Alberto's ch- shot goal was, you man mark him and that doesn't happen, okay? Um, and then Kamada's uh, goal, realistically, when you go back and look at it, was so low percentage because you had a defender right in front of him and he doesn't – he doesn't do anything to close him down and try to deny the shot. So they were – so, I mean, it's a Lazio t- that did not really pressure that Napoli defense and still scored two goals. Yeah. They had – they pressed – they were timely pressing in this game. It wasn't like they pressed away behind the pitch and try to make them lose – defenders lose the ball. No, they they when they pressed, they pressed around the midfield area – what we saw in a little wrinkle is like, you know, you mentioned how they smothered Osimen, right? They did let Havrashele get the ball, but what they did was so smart. And I, them, I mean, in Sari in particular, Madisic, you know, Madisic did very well, but he also had Felipe Anderson. It wasn't Kamada or any of the midfielders. It was Felipe Anderson who would come back and help Madisic out. You see the double team, sometimes, eventually at, at times a triple team. And this is what we saw last year with you know, Rafael Leal coming off his MVP season, teams started double and triple teaming him and say, you got to find a way to beat us. Teams will be doing that this year against Havarshelia where say, like, he's not going to beat us. Or if he is, he's got to find a different way to beat us and prove that he's world class. Uh, and so what we saw is Felipe Anderson doing a mar- marvelous job back-checking, or as we say in hockey, uh, to help Maricic out. And they did fantastic. It was frustrating him. Early on, before before Felipe Anderson got involved, that's where Havarshelia got his shot and Provadel had to make a big save. After that, Sari and, Sari and Lazio adjusted and kind of limited that chance and forced, hey, Zalissi's got to beat us. Labotka, they left Labotka wide open, let him shoot, and he was struggling to get you know shots on target. Montana yeah. wasn't doing anything. I think what we saw also is that they took advantage of their counterattacks. They were purposeful with their counterattacks. It wasn't just like, oh, we got the ball, let's just run. No, they had intent with what they were doing, and Napoli were not ready for that. And to your yeah. point, you know, they they had they see look a little loss out there, ball watches because Lazio were coming at them. They're probably so worried about uh, Chiro Immobile. They're forgetting about all these other pieces coming running at them and losing track of runners and this and that. And I thought Lazio deserved all the credit in the world because that was a masterful performance by uh, uh, Sari and his men. Uh, and they deserve a win. I deserve a win. Yeah, I, I yeah, definitely agree. Was Quadratelia dangerous in this game or were Lazio just happy to let him have what they gave him over the course of the time he was out there? I... I you know, because I, I, you know, we've seen Quadratelia where you're just in awe of him. Yeah. But I think, and I, I would venture to say that I, I, I tip it towards the latter. Lazio said, "Okay, you're going to have chances, but we got to make sure you have chances that aren't going to break us." And I think that that's the way it went. And I think that's what it was. I think he was early on; he was dangerous, and that's when they made that adjustment, bringing Felipe Anderson down, and it. 
Lazio said you can be you can you can have the ball, but where we want you to have the ball, you're not gonna get to get the freedom that you normally have as you did last year to do whatever the hell you want. We're gonna we're gonna make you give you the spaces. You take that and we'll let you have it all day, right? And same thing with like Zelensky. Let Zelensky play in areas that they're comfortable with and force other people to beat you, like a Politano or Labotka or Angisa. And so again, I think the defensive shape that you know Mauricio Sarri's men came out there. Um, really, it was almost like a park the bus mentality, especially when they were up, you know, when they, at the, towards the end of the game. But what they did, they they soaked up the pressure, they bent, but didn't break. What, like you said, when they got to the 18 yard box, that's when they clamped down and gave nothing to Osimhen and company, and really forced guys who don't normally are the ones to score to try to do something, and nothing happened because of, as a result of it. Now, now all teams can run with this blueprint, right? Milan have a blueprint against Napoli now, as do Lazio, because Lazio beat them in the last year as well. Um, so not many teams can do what Lazio did. Lazio yeah. just were perfect, and they had the perfect players to do this. But you got a blueprint of how to stop Havrashelium. You got a blueprint of how to stop Osimhen. Can other teams start doing this? We will see. This is a tactful league with a lot of really smart managers. I, I imagine some of this will happen, but it's going to be hard to stop Napoli all season long. Remember a week ago when we were talking about Inter and we were sitting there thinking, well, this is, this is, this is, is this really going to, we, we dealing with a matured Inter now that mm-hmm. two nil and just go about their business and move on to the next game. Well, uh, uh, what a difference a, a week makes, I guess. Uh, just game for them. Absolute stampede uh, at the San Siro four nil. And it could have been 10 nil uh, yeah. the way this game went. Had it not been for Christensen and goal for Inter, um, you know Fiorentina's first crack at showing that hey, we can we can do this against the big teams. We can we can get it done, and it 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 blew up in their face, um, and 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 sensationally, I might add, yeah. uh, three five two for Inter. Summer and goal. It was Darmian, Devry, Bastoni across the back, uh, Dumfries and DeMarco the wing backs. Um, Varela, Chalanolu, Mkhitaryan in midfield, Turam and uh, Lautaro Martinez up front against uh, a back four of Christensen, or Christensen and goal for Fiorentina, back four of Dodo, Milenkovic, Ranieri, and Biragi. Double pivot of Artur, uh, Artur and uh, Rolando Mandragora, uh, Kwame Bonaventura, and um, yeah, contrary to... Uh, Contrary to uh, uh, people's popular opinions, yes, Nicholas Gonzalez did suit up and play in this game. Um, <laughs> and uh, Lucas Beltran uh, up front uh, for Fiorentina. Um, Inter absolutely blitz Fiorentina. A 4-0 win. Marcus Turam heading home. A DiMarco goal. DiMarco was sensational in this game. Uh, Latara Martinez uh, finishing a chance uh, from uh, Marcus Turam. Chalanolu a penalty in the 58th minute. And then Lotaro finishing it off on an assist uh, from Juan Cuadrado coming in off the bench. I mean, Inter just completely had their way in this game, Richard. But I'm going to start with – I'm going to devil's advocate this just a little bit. I mean, we, we can sit here and be in awe of Inter and all this other stuff, but I am going to devil's advocate just a little bit. All right. This is an incomplete Fiorentina team that just lost Sof- Sofian Amrabat that plugged a backup wingback slash leftback into the center of defense in Ranieri, okay? Um, so two completely um, uh, two completely noticeable differences with what Fiorentina is accustomed to lining up. That said, if you're a good team, you're going to exploit where your opponent is deficient, okay? Just like Milan was able to 
carry on because Roma was going to be predictable at what they did. Inter was going to just completely pick apart what Fiorentina was coming at. They probably watched tape of how Lecce did it over the course of the second half half of match week two. There were some noticeable carbon copy stuff going on there. Um, Not to say that Inter is trying to steal Lecce's playbook uh, in how to attack because Inter can do it quite well without Lecce's Lecce's, uh, uh, help. But I, I, there were some there were some noticeable things that went on through there, um, but uh, uh, completely tore through Fiorentina on the counter. Ranieri just not a center back. Looked completely lost in this game, um, and Dodo was just completely exploited. I mean, how many of Inter's attacks were on that left hand side and featured Federico Di Marco? I mean, I everyone just a, almost yeah. Just a complete beating. Uh, so I've, I, I've made my points. A little bit of devil's advocate here because Fiorentina has some square pegs and some round holes in the lineup that they played in. But nonetheless, that's a special performance from Inter. Yeah, and, you know, as Ali mentions in the chat, Fiorentina put, played most of these players in the game on Thursday against uh, Rapid Wien. And so they were tired. And Inter took advantage of them on the counterattack and played a fast pace that they knew that Fiorentina would not be able to keep up for 90 minutes and just batter them. And as we said last week, you know, Inter have ways of, you know, the one, two, two, nothing, and then kind of sit back in this game. They went for the, 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 the cutthroat right at the beginning and it kept going Wait, What I like about Inter's attack in this is they were way, it was waves and they would come at you. It wasn't just like one attack coming. It was like a wave and wave and wave, like three waves at a time on an attack. And so you miss one, but there's like follow up guy, the guy after that right there. And so it was like, you never know which guy these runners are coming from. They're coming from all over. And, you know, obviously, the Monaco having a fantastic game. Him linking up with Taram with a wonderful, wonderful cross there. The Marco's obviously fantastic. Lautaro Martinez is, since he got into captain's armband, really towards the end of last year, he kind of got to another level. Where he, when he plays defensively, meaning he backtracks and he tries to get the ball back, he just goes to another level and he's more engaged into the game. Uh, the goal that uh, who I, I remember I don't remember which goal anymore because it scored so many goals. But one play where he intercepted the ball uh, and and caused a turnover. Demarco got the assist. I think that might have been the Taram goal, honestly. Uh, but yeah, Inter yeah, it was so good in this game. They found a way to make Dumfries effective in the game. Um, Chalanolu again with the deep line position with Mike Tarin and, and Barella. I like it there. This team is so freaking deep as well. The pieces that they got are fitting in nicely. Sommer, you know, Taram. Uh, and so obviously they got a couple guys coming off the bench that we haven't even seen yet. Uh, but this team and Inzaghi really deserve all the credit because they found the first three opponents. They know they found their weaknesses and they exploited them uh, when they had to be cutthroat. They were in the, so far the first three games as they were in this game or like in the last game, they kind of kicked the, the put the take the foot off the pedal and just kind of manage the game, which they did. So, man, it sets up an enticing matchup coming up here in, uh, in a, little, a little over a week's time, a week and a half time. Uh, but, Pure, I mean, Inter looked just amazing and incomplete. Incomplete is the, the fair grade to give Fiorentina for sure. Yeah, it's. But this is what you do if you're going to contend for a title. And you, yeah. you know, if if a team is weak, if a team is vulnerable, you you hammer away at it, and you don't make any excuses, and you don't apologize for it. And that's what Inter were. I mean. The astonish the astonishing statistic for me is the possession because if you watch this game, you would never think that Inter only had forty percent possession in this game. I know. I mean, with what they did with the ball, was just brutally efficient. Um, you know, but again, 
some of this is Fiorentina's a little incomplete. Ollie's making the point. Nine players playing against Rapid on Thursday. We saw, well, I mean, you saw that across a lot. There were teams that were playing in Thursday qualifiers. And you go to the Premier League. Aston Villa got played off the park against Liverpool after many other guys had to qualify. I think they're in the Conference League. Um, but we're completely outclassed now played by Liverpool. And you look at that Aston Villa team and you're like, they, they shouldn't lose three nil to Liverpool. Um, but I digress. Um, you know, so it's taking advantage of certain situations. And if you're going to win a Scudetto, you have to, you have to certainly do that. Um, I will say this. I would be. It would be. I would have loved to see if Fiorentina did not have that Thursday game. They had a fully fit squad. What what that offense? What we've seen the first couple of weeks of the season. How that would have fared up against the, the Inter defense, who really haven't been tested thus far. Yes, they've been solid defensively for what they've had. But again, this is a weakened Fiorentina team that really didn't have their their A game with them. And so, what would it be like if they did? Well, we'll find out. You know, again, the derbies very soon. Yep. Uh, Martinez Quarta didn't play, and I think a lot of that was just. And he only played nine minutes in the game against Rapid Vienna, so I don't know what's going on with him that he's not getting run, mm. that he wouldn't partner with uh, uh, Milenkovic in that in that back line. But if they, there might not there might be something not right with him. Who knows? Yeah. Um, a Fiorentina fan can enlighten us on on why Quarta's not getting out there because that's the ideal. That's normally the ideal partner. But we're we're de- we're having Ranieri deputizing, and it's not pretty. Um, Fiorentina fans. So somebody help, somebody help me out on that one. Um, Inter, um, why were they so successful in basically choking Nico Gonzalez out of this game? You know, I think it's a combination of not only DeMarco just, you know, being good defensively and offensively, you know, is the way they structure themselves defensively, where they don't give up too much. Zaghi's smart. He'll he'll know where where you know where guys can take what teams can take advantage of them, and they kind of like shade to that side. You know, kind of like rub them out of the game and force kind of like similar to what Sadi did with with Napoli and force someone else to beat you. Uh, Nico Gonzalez is almost non-existent in this game, and you know the credit goes to the way they tactically set up against um, against Fiorentina, and so. Is this a formula for other teams? We'll, we'll see. Um, he's not Nico Gonzalez doesn't necessarily uh, pose fear in you, but he's such a good player. You have to be cognizant of where he is on the pitch at all times. And I think Inter did a marvelous job of knowing where he's at, having a body on him, and having a, a second guy come on and uh, when when needed, uh, and really made him a non-factor in this game. Not not a single shot, not a single chance created. Committed two fouls, um, and. In 55 minutes, touched the ball 32 times um, and gave away a lot of passes. Lost, lost a lot of possession. I mean, they they did their homework and they were ready. He lost. Nico Gonzalez lost possession 14 times. He lost. He had more lost possessions than accurate passes in this game. <laughs> and uh, I think that that probably you, you speak to DiMarco, but also uh, the performance from Alessandro Bastoni too. Um, in that area. And, and I, I want to say this about Bastoni because you brought him up. Bastoni was, he's doing kind of what we were, we've seen a little bit flashes of where he didn't do enough of, I think, is he's so good at rushing up the field and getting involved in the play. I mean, at times he was leading the line, it seemed like, in the attack, yeah. um, really making it really difficult for Fiorentina to kind of pick up who to go, who to cover because Bastoni can score goals if you, if you leave him open. Uh, so he made it very difficult for them. Like you said, and Bastoni helping out there. 
it's just a this inter team is very deep. Uh, they're going to be a problem for many teams uh, in Europe. Yeah, the energy that Bastoni played with was just ridiculous. Yeah. Um, you know, just a thorough performance uh, from Inter, uh, and and well done. So those were the three big ones, Richard. Uh, how about the rest? Yeah, we'll go go back to Friday. Uh, Sassuolo hosting Hellas Verona. Uh, Domenico Berardi back into the lineup, and it showed. Uh, Pinamonte scores in, I think, assisted by Berardi, honestly, uh, in the 11th minute. Nice goal there. Um, Ngonj would get a, an equalizer in the 56th minute, but it wouldn't last very long. Berardi would uh, get a 63rd goal, and then in the penalty in the 73rd minute, uh, they win 3-1 to one at home. Moving on to Saturday, Bologna hosting Cagliari. Uh, certainly an inter- interesting game. I'm really liking this Xerxes player for, for Bologna. He seems to fit perfectly to a Thiago Mota once. He gets his goal in the 59th minute. Initially, it was a goal scored by, by um, uh, Zuvumba uh, with a nice goal by him. First goal of the season for Cagliari. But Xerxes, again, with a goal in the 59th minute. Um, Fabian got an 89th minute to make a 2-1 game. I think Bologna felt comfortable in this game. Um, looked good. Uh, created a lot of opportunities. Like I said, Xerxes... Uh, the other youngster who plays on the left wing side, his name is escaping me at the moment. He looked really good in this game. Some pieces there with Bologna. I'm really liking what Thiago, Thiago Mota is really cooking up there. Uh, but they went 2-1 to one there. Udinese, Frosinone, if you watch that game, I apologize. Um, there were <laughs> there were two penalties in the game that were taken away. There was a uh, own goal that was taken away, and there was a uh, goal line clearance in the game. But there will be no goals in this game. 0-0 this game ends. Uh, moving on to Atalanta hosting Monza. Two actually pretty good teams, I think. Two teams will be towards the upper end of the, uh, upper end of the table this year. Uh, but Atalanta were, uh, were, were thumping them. Uh, Ederson scores a goal in the 35th minute, making one nothing. John Lucas Kamaka, welcome to the starting lineup. Two goals in his uh, first start for Atalanta. They looked very good. I think I think Monza is still a good team, but I think Atalanta were just it was their day, and Skamaka looked very good. He's going to be uh, – they're not going to be missing uh, Duvan Zapata at all, are they? Um, moving on to Sunday's games. Uh, we had, uh, speaking of Duvan Zapata, his new team, Torino. Uh, Torino hosting Genoa. Uh, an entertaining game. It, it, back and forth, there were some chances here and there, but really no goals. Looked like we are going to another 0-0 draw. But Radonjic, uh, in the 90th plus whatever, uh, gets around his defender and then puts the top shelf goal short side. I mean, the goalkeeper probably should have saved that, but it was a wonderful shot by Radonjic. Uh, that's the game winner there. one nothing for Torino. Uh, excellent by them. Moving on, Emp- hosting Juventus. Uh, interesting game. Danilo, uh, was a goal was scored early in the game. Uh, call back. Danilo interfered with uh, Berisha. Good call there. Um, Danilo, though, would get a goal back to come minutes later, make it 1-0 in the 24th minute. Um, we saw uh, Berisha made some nice saves in the game for Empoli, but really it was, it was pretty much you know Juventus doing what they had to do in Chiesa. Kind of seems rejuvenated this season so far. Made some nice moves. Came close a couple of times, but finally got his goal in the 82nd minute. 2-0, Juventus win on the road. Nice victory for them. Um, and then the game that I guess I was uh, – I wasn't sure how this game was going to go. And I guess maybe be Lecce being at home, I should have. But Lecce hosting Salernitana. Um, I thought this game had a draw written all over it, though I thought Salernitana had, has a better team. But uh, the new man, Rusovic, uh, he gets a goal in the, what, sixth, uh, sixth or eighth minute early on in the game. Uh, nice play by him. Nice finish by him. Oh, what a find by him. I'll let you get more back to him in a, in a minute. Um, looked like one nothing at that point. That was be the way to go, but Strafetza would get a late, late penalty in like eight minutes of stoppage time uh, and then a game. Uh, they won two nothing, a nice victory for them. Um, uh, and that was there, there was no Monday games. Um, nope. so where do you want to start with this? 
Well, get to know Nikola Kristovic, uh, Montenegrin international, uh, played uh, in the Nike Liga last season for Dutch 1904, and I believe that's the uh, Slovakian uh, mm-hmm. top division. 17 goals and 26 appearances for them. So, um, and I would presume uh, scoring very much like he scored here, where he's got guys that can get service into him and he just gets in there and finishes. And I think that with the way this Lecce team sets up, there's a chance for him to. I'm not going to sit here and say that he's going to contend for Capo Cagnetti because I picked Latauro Martinez and he's the one at the top right now, just, just so that we're clear. Um, <laughs> you know. We got 35 match weeks to go. I'm not. Yeah. I'm not taking a victory lap just yet. Um, but you know, eight to ten goals is not out of the out of the question with this with the way this Lecce outfit plays. Yeah. Um, you know, a, a and I think one of the things that you got to look at is that okay, right now when you're looking at Banda and you're looking at Almquist, they're 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 probably creators more than scorers. So you're going to need more than Strafetsa to step up and provide goals for you. So Kristovich might be very interesting here might be your typical nine that that can get on the end of things and and someone that you better know where he is uh so so let's see more of them uh you know and let's see see what happens with that but i think Lecce is is turning some heads here um you know i mean i think that we talked about them in the preview and thought that they they slumped so much in the second half of the season that they found their way yeah, you know, you know, into fighting it off to stay up, but I think they they got smart in how they restructured their squad. They went and recruited players that nobody else was looking at, and they're turning out to be decent players. Almquist, we talked about already. Yeah. Kristovich now, so I mean, it's it's gonna be some shocked by where I have them when I do when we do the stand when we do the uh, final potato predictions. Um, Champions so. League. No, 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 no. <laughs> I'm not that crazy. Okay. So, okay. <laughs> I'm not that crazy. So, 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 let you there. Uh, Empoli Juve, I mean, I'm not surprised. Um, I mean, this is this Empoli team is going to struggle all season. Yeah. Um, and Juve just, you know, put in a professional 90 minutes, uh, you know, to beat them. Uh, the Torino Genoa game, I think that. You know, despite losing the match, I think that Giladino has made some smart adjustments here in how he sets up his Genoa team. Um, they're not, you know, they got blown away by Fiorentina. And then prior to that in the Copa, they gave up three goals to Modena despite winning. Um, so that was um, alarming. And I think Giladino just decided, yeah, I can't, we can't play like this and expect to survive. So he's he has shifted some things. And when you've got guys like... Malinowski and you've got Goodmanson and then you've got Rotegi in the attack. You focus on just making sure you don't give anything away cheaply because that's enough quality to score you yeah. enough goals to stay up. Yeah. Um, so Atalanta, I, I, I continue to be impressed with the getting back to having the wing backs, but it's, it's a little bit of a different formula. They're providing service versus you know, getting aggressive into the penalty areas and scoring. So it's a little bit of a different role for them, but they were dangerous in wide areas against Monza and gave them some trouble. Um, Frosinone has four points because of Stefano Turati, um, the goalkeeper. Yeah. Uh, they got that point against Udinese because of Stefano Turati. Um, 
another guy that I think that we need to keep an eye on that I think that's going to continue to get some buzz is, and, and, and a guy that you should be familiar with from Bundesliga experience is Joshua Zerksy. Um, I continue to be impressed with him, and not just because he scored here, but I'm really impressed with the hold-up play. The physicality, yeah. the physicality jumps out where when he made his spot appearances with Bologna last season, I didn't necessarily notice it. Yeah. Um, and, and his ability to hold it up, his ability to play people in, and his his movement. I mean, things look a lot better, and maybe it's because Onatovic is gone. Sometimes it just takes – getting more minutes and getting more exposure and getting more opportunity for you to step up and show what you can do. Um, yeah. And then Sassuolo Verona, I mean, I, I, I tweeted it out after the game. I said, uh, the reason why you don't overreact after one or two weeks uh, you can is, is, is evident in the Sassuolo Verona game. This is exactly what we ex- probably expect from both teams uh, moving forward. Sassuolo, very dangerous in attack, still going to give up the occasional goal. Hellas Verona were lucky to win the – let's face it, they were. They were lucky to win the first two games that they won. Uh, And then they finally got punished by a team that got clinical and put their chances away against them. Yeah. Yeah. So that's this batch of games in a nutshell for me. Yeah, and going back to the Xerxes comment, you know, last year when he did feature, he didn't really make an impact in the game as he is now. He just found another level where he's able to hold the ball so well and use his his, – physical abilities not only his, his size but his pace as well and his vision uh, to kind of get other players involved and he he has his nose for goal that we didn't know he had and like you said maybe it's the thing where they lost Arnautovic and he kind of got a chance to get gets an opportunity he's taking full advantage of it and so uh, I'm curious I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see how Thiago Mota continues to build upon this with with Xerxes uh, especially right in the hot hand early on so you know excited to see the way they're playing at the moment um, Galilee you know uh, they're a team that's going to have to figure out ways. And I, I don't want to say Ardan is going to be a guy who's going to be in the hot seat. I think, you know, they're going to have too much respect for him to put him on the hot seat just yet. But they need to provide more. And it's good to see, you know, Zafumba get, get the early goal for them and their first goal of the season. But they got to they gotta find more better ways to score. It's only, what, the first goal of the season, one goal through three games. They got to they gotta find a way to get the ball in the back of the net. Um I mean, add on top of what you said, I mean, go back to now Atalanta game. Skavaka, yeah, it's been impressive what he's done done with them. I think it's it is a testament of what Gasparini can can get out of his players, uh, reading the first, reading, you know, making them reach their full potential. Um, a couple of players, former players, that had some scathing remarks about him. I was just going to uh, say, what did you make of those comments? Yoki Mila was pretty uh, outspoken here. Yeah, Demorel as well, and a couple other ones, but there were also some that came to his defense. I don't know. I mean, I think there's some truth to it. I mean, obviously, we we saw what happened with Papu Gomez years ago, and all that. All of a sudden, that you know that this fills with doubt. Um, but I think it's when player a player falls out of favor, they can look at the manager negatively. I don't know. I'm sure Gasparini has his quirks. Like the comment he made about Mela made about not not being able to ride with Hoyland. I think that's a little absurd, right? Uh, if that was true, which Demarell says it was. That's that's mind blowing to me. I don't understand that part because he wants his players focused. I guess I don't know, but um, it's every every good manager, every manager has their quirks with it. it they just do. I mean, it wouldn't be in this business being devoting like ninety hours a week to you know to, to football if they weren't a little crazy. Uh, and yeah. so I'm sure he has his quirks. But again, if you fall out of favor with manager, you're going to be a little bit more you know angry at them than if you were playing all the time and you know having a, a fruitful career. So I don't know. I, I'm not. Uh, 
I'm curious to hear, read more about it. Obviously, I want to hear Demerol. Apparently, is going to have an interview. It's going to come out. I'm curious what that's going to be like. But I think the current batch of team, the players right now, they're they're doing really well. Obviously, Dicatalada is doing fantastic. Skamaka is doing fantastic. Uh, he seemed seems to have Luis Muriel happy at his role of being a you know a reliever, relief pitcher, if you will, using baseball terminology. He just comes in at the end and and tries to get you some goals there. Um, it's an interesting team. They haven't been tested yet defensively. I. I thought Monzo had some opportunities to create in this game, but they just, you know, for whatever, you know, I guess Atalanta doing well enough defensively. But uh, we'll, we'll see how they how they do when they play some of these uh, seven sisters, how they react to teams that have, you know, more of a fire punch uh, in the on the offensive side. So um, let's see what other game I'll talk about Sunday. Um, no, I mean, not much on top of, you know, Juventus looked good against Apple as you expected, like as you said. For for me, really, the game, the, the head turning game, would have been Salernitana Lecce. Even though we, as I mentioned, I should expect Lecce to do well at home because they always do. But mm-hmm. I fully expect the Salernitana to do a lot more than what they did in this game. And, and full credit goes to Lecce for you know defending them for ninety minutes. But Lecce was able to um, hold back some of the stronger players that they have, whether it's the Candreras, the Boladier, or whoever. Um, Ochoa is a great goalkeeper. Uh, didn't really have to do much in this game, but I think you know Lecce are doing what they have to do. As Hellas, you know they snuck a couple points already early in the season. Lecce, all the points they can get now, the better for them for a chance for survival. Uh, and yeah. it'll keep them further and further away from the relegation zone. The way if they keep playing this way, if they can get if they can get majority of the points at home and then steal some points on the road, this this team's gonna be looking pretty in terms of you know surviving for another year. And I think they're more than capable of doing it. I think it's fine of Kristovic uh, is, is wonderful because, they, like you said, they got the playmakers on the team. They just didn't have someone to put it the ball away. And maybe they got a guy now. He obviously can score goals because he did this in, in Slovakia or wherever. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see if they can continue this going forward. And hopefully it's not just a one-hit wonder w- with uh, Kristovic and they can find some kind of uh, steady success where he gets 10, 12 goals this year. Who's, who knows? Uh, if they do, let's are sitting pretty for this season. So, Okay. Well, now that the transfers are done, the window is done. Let's jump into it. All Our right. predictions. Okay. I think the easiest thing to do, let's start from the bottom. Who do you have getting relegated? Let me find my list. Who do we who would I find getting relegated? Yeah, so for I'm gonna say this. A lot of people got bent out of shape of the predictions last time. This is just our opinion. If you don't like it, yeah. Tell us who you who you'd see, or get don't your own cry, podcast, or get your own podcast. But don't cry about it; it's unbecoming. All right, just don't cry yeah. about it. Just tell us who you want instead, okay? Look, um, I mean, listen, and, and we both initially said the Milan were going to win the Scudetto, and, and here's the thing: you know, you're Milan supporters. Well, that of course you're going to pick them. I said, you know, we we ha- we back it up with valid reasons for why we're making the pick, okay? Yeah. But go ahead. Okay, for a relegation this year, I am predicting Frosinone dead last, Hellas Verona, 19, 18, George, earmuffs, earmuffs, George, Cagliari, Cagliari relegation. Now, I think it'll be coming down between Cagliari and Empoli. Oh, so you've got Frosinone 20, Hellas Verona 19, Cagliari 18. Yep. George, it's going to get worse. I actually have Cagliari 20. <laughs> oh, God. I just don't think they're going to score a lot of goals. That's um, what I was saying before. They got to find ways to score. It's looking bad right now, but you know, Ranieri can can tactically set these guys up so much. 
But eventually, the ta- there's got to be some talent. I mean, Lavumbo looks good, but it's hard to, you know, it's you know there isn't a player on the other side that can you know that can create the same kind of problems. There isn't a, there isn't a lot of pace to that team. Yeah. Okay, and that's the thing that concerns me. Um, how do you how do you change the the speed and, and that sort of thing when everybody goes the same pace except for one guy? Um, I've got Frozen only 19th. Tarazzi's luck's going to run out, and the rest of the league is going to figure Frozen only out yeah. over time. And then I've got Hellas for only 18th. So I'm with you on the three that are. I, I, I'm with you on the three that are going down. Like I said, I thought Hellas Verona were awfully lucky in the first two games. Yeah, to win for sure. Um, and I think that what happened at Sassuolo is much more representative of what I think Hellas Verona is going to be this season. Now I banged the drum for Hellas Verona to stay up last year, and I'm saying, okay, now this is the time they go down. So, um, so there's that. Um, okay, then let's do. 13 through 17. Um, gonna be struggling, gonna be flirting with relegation, but in the end, are gonna be safe. 13 through 17. All right. So, 13, I'm gonna go Salernitana. 14, Udinese. 15, Lecce. 16, Genoa. 17, Empoli. We didn't even read each other's notes. This is not, this is gonna, <laughs> this is like boring to the rest of the. To, to everybody listening, great to this, minds think alike. Same five teams, <laughs> but I'm, I've got them in a different order than you do. Okay, so who do, okay. you have, who, do you, who do you have? Thirteen. Salernitana. Okay, I have Lecce. I'm buying in. Okay. On, on what I'm watching, I, I really am. Um, I think that they can finish thirteenth. I think that they can score goals. I think they can. Yeah, you know, certainly they're going to give up their share, and certainly they're going to get battered by the better teams in this league at, at some point. Okay, but I'm buying in. Uh, I'm with you on Udinese at 14th. Um, you know, they survived because they were able to keep Simardzic. Um, and and w- I think Wallace is another really good player that they're going to make some money off of uh, yeah. in that midfield too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Salernitana 15th for me. Um, and that might be a little harsh on. So I might I might in the end of the day move Salernitana. I should you know if I do a formal final one on Twitter. I might put Salernitana ahead of Udinese. I think that Salernitana just have a little more talent than Udinese do. You could flip-flop those, and I wouldn't fight you. And I like Ochoa as well. You know, Ochoa is a really good goalkeeper for them. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, and then 16th, I've got Empoli. I think they have just enough playmaking to score some goals against some of these bottom teams to yeah. uh, to yeah. keep themselves in it. And then 17th, I have Genoa. Um, I, I like Rattagi, Malinowski, Goodmanson. That works. I like that Giladino's realizing that. He's going to have to make some adjustments in order to survive. And I, you know, they're at least backed, um, you know, so I think that, uh, so that works for me there. Okay. So let's go now eight through 12. These are the teams that are going to put on a good season, going to bother the top seven, but are also going to just be short on Europe. Uh, I think a healthy Barardi is good for Sassuolo in terms of comparing them to what they did last year. Sassuolo 12. Going to 11, I'm going to the flying Duvan Zapatas at Torino at 11. I say Monza getting to the top 10 again. Uh, Tiago Motas Bologna getting 9th and Fiorentina 8th. This is, this is stupid. I've got the same five teams. 
but I've got them in a different order again. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. So I've got Monza 12th. Um, I like them. I, I think the other teams are a little bit better. Okay. I've got Sassuolo 11th. Okay. I think they're going to be fun, bad. I just, I, I, I love Loriente, Pinamonte, Berardi, yeah. uh, with, um, Bayrami behind him. Okay. Uh, I've got Fiorentina 10th. Whoa. I've, I've got concerns. Okay. They're going to be back in Europe. Uh, there's going to be that distraction. I, I don't like, um, I don't like Amrabat leaving. I, I don't like this sudden shuffling of the defense. I don't like how they've looked here in these first few games. Um, and, you know, where are their answers when their better players are played out of game? I mean, there were a lot of a lot of crazy things here. And, yeah, I get it. I was probably, you know, okay, maybe I'm overreacting a little bit to playing three days after needing to qualify for a European competition and all this other stuff. But, I mean, some people already picked Fiorentina as the champions this year after that 4 nothing win they had earlier in the year. <laughs> I wasn't buying it. Um, Clearly. I've got, I've got Torino ninth. Okay. Um, I, I'm a believer in Ivan Juric. I think he's a really good manager. I think he has the parts that he wants now. And I think that he's going to, he's going to, he's going to claim a few off some of the better teams, uh, you know, over the course of the season. And I think they're going to be steady there. And then I, I, I've got Bologna eighth and I really flirted with Bologna finishing in a European place. I love what Tiago Mota has done with this team. I like the reinforcements. If Zerzi can save healthy, that's a that's a talented, talented striker they've got yeah. there. Orsolini's still there. Some of the some of the midfielders that have come in. Um, this is a you know another team that Milan were lucky to play at the Dell when they got the chance when when the team wasn't necessarily complete. You know they've had two away fixtures against opponents that they were in fortunate situations. So, um, but that's where I'm at. Okay, so now five, six, seven. Qualifying for Europe, but missing out on the Champions League. All right. I'm going to say this with a caveat because a lot of naysayers out there are going to cry about whatever we both say here. But my top seven, I, I'm i predicting to be within 12 Just do points. Just five, five, five through seven. Five, five through seven. seven. Okay, but my, my top seven will be within 12 points of each other. I, That's just me. Don't have a problem with that. Don't okay, have a problem five, with that. Five through seven. Oh, so I go seven through five. This is hard. This is... This might be the hardest year yet because there's some really good teams here. There's some teams. I'll, I'll just say it. Number seven, Atalanta. Atalanta okay. seventh. Uh, I like what they have so far, but I'm not convinced they're the defense just yet. Uh, they can play defense at times. They can play attack at times. They can't seem to marry the two uh, themes, it seems like, like other teams, like Inzaghi's teams. So they're seven. Six. <sighs> And I have three points higher than Atalanta, Roma, Roma. Okay. Uh, I'm not. I think Mourinho. It's his cursed third year. I well, I well, I do like Lukaku. I do like what he's going to do with DiBala and and Pellegrini and company. I just think the teams above them provide more, uh, make it more difficult. I'm not to say Roma's going to a bad year, but I think the teams above them are all, all play much better. Um, questions about the defense, like Chris Smalling, especially Rui Patricio as well. So I'm a little, I'm a little worried about that. Top five. This is this is killer for me because I'm like, who do I leave out of the top four? Um, I'm gonna say, and it's been crazy because I picked them second in the preseason pick, but three points ahead of Roma, I have Juventus. 
Mm. Um, I was high on them in the preseason, but the moves that they made or didn't make in the preseason, plus the way they've started so far, um, it's an aging team. Yes, they lost some some pieces, but I'm not really totally convinced about this team just yet. And there's a you know, we'll, we'll see how they, with a Chesney, whether it's a Medin and and um, Petting, excuse me, and goal. I I like Juventus. I think Allegri's going to get points. I do, but I just I think the teams that are above them play a little bit better, and they can find ways to get goals and and, and come up clutch when they need to. So. Juventus is fifth for me, just out of the top four, and they have no—they have nothing else to play for this year. That's why I had them so high. This is the only thing they're playing this year. I still, I just can't can't get them in the top four. We are a little different here. All right. Seventh, Lazio. Oh, okay. Um, I don't think the midfield is the same as the special run they went on last year. Um. I think the Champions League becomes a distraction, um, especially in a group that they feel they probably can qualify from. Um, and uh, I just I don't know if I can I, I I I still see some frailties. I think they had a nice setup here against Napoli and were desperate and had to win and got to win, uh, but I don't know if they can consistently achieve that over the course of the season. Uh, I've got Atalanta sixth. I like him. I think Skamaka makes a huge. Di- I think Skamaka makes a huge difference. I think yeah. having Kupminer yeah. still there is important. I think the wingbacks having a revival and playing well. Kupminer will have a great year to this year. Yeah. So Kupminer's will probably be in our team of the season. He was in my team of the season last year. Yeah. So uh, he closed strong, and I think he's continuing that run. Yeah. Um. You know, they're getting back to playing Gasparini ball slowly but surely. But I think six. I think that they there's still enough naivete to them um, that that they can't that they're not going to be a top four side. I'm with you on fifth. I think it's Juventus. Well, I think it's dynamic to see Chiesa and, and, and Vlaovic again together in attack. Yeah. I and I never thought I would say this about Juventus ever in my lifetime, but I am worried about the defense. Okay. I'm worried that Bremer is their best defender and that their second best defender. I can't tell you who it is. Okay. Um, Danilo, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Probably Danilo by default. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but when I saw how Bologna were, were, were playing around Juventus and getting around them and Bologna. Okay. I worry about what that's going to look like for Juventus against the better teams. And I think that that's going to cause them, to, even with no Europe and no distraction of that, I think they're going to fall short and land in fifth. Okay. So that leaves us with top four, four through one. Top four, four through one. All right. This is so hard. So one point ahead of Juventus in my in my prediction, um, the just sneak in is a team that I predicted to win in the preseason. That's Milan. I have Milan coming in fourth. Mm. I'm so uh, what they've done so far has been fantastic. They've been playing really well, but it's so many new pieces. Can they stay together? What will they be like when the when the going gets tough? Do they all stick together? Can Tamori keep his head straight? I don't know these things. And because of that unsuredness with, with Milan, they're playing really well at the moment, but can they keep this up for a whole season? I am not sure. And they're playing on multiple fronts. And you know they're gonna try to go deep in Champions League again. Um, I'm unsure of that. And 
and I think they'll be content with the top four. Obviously, they want to go for Scudetto, but I think with everything that they're playing with, the, with the inexperience possibly of, or the unfamiliarity of all these players, how they will mesh together, will will they all live up to the billing what they're hoping for, or will they be all flubs? We'll, we'll find out. Uh, but I think Milan just get in there into the top four. Number three, man, um, two points ahead of Milan, three points behind the champion. Uh, I'm going to say Napoli. I think Napoli and Rudy Garcia, I love what Napoli have in terms of the core. I think their downfall is Rudy Garcia. Um, can that's, I want to see if he's able to have, you know, it's one thing to let your team go and, and do their own thing and, and win the games like they can. But when he sets them up tactically, this is what I this is my big thing about him from the beginning is that tactically, can he get it done? He does some nice things offensively, but when it's going gets tough and you have to really crunch it up, be you know, play a team that has just as much possession as you or or be forced to defend, can you figure it out? Can you take out the opposition's strengths? I'm not convinced yet. I hope I'm wrong. I'm hoping wrong because Napoli are or this is a fantastic team that they have. Losing Kim is gonna be huge. We don't know what Natan's gonna bring to us. Um, I like Moret. I like the. I mean, I like the majority of this team. Obviously, Politano. We'll see what he can do in the season. But uh, I, I think I think it's Garcia is going to be their downfall for winning a Scudetto again. I think they're going to be very tough, and I'd say within three points of the Scudetto. I think this year, so they're not. It's not a big drop off, um, but I think they're just there. I, I say one point ahead of them, Lazio. Um, you're unconvinced by them. I am actually quite convinced, but not quite convinced. I convinced by them in the games where it matters. Consistency is the important thing, right? And you mentioned it. Lazio at times can be inconsistent, especially against the teams that they should be beating. When it's a big game, they seem sometimes to to get the right uh, schematic up in the game and can make it a close, tight game, get the wins. We saw Lazio had a strong finish to the season last year. They finished second themselves. Um, they got some nice piece in the offensive side. Midfield, I like the midfield. The SMS is a huge loss, no doubt about it. But bringing Kamada, I think it's going to be huge for them. Guendouzi is going to be someone they, they can rely on. Um, Castellanos, I like him. He'll be good vice to Chiri Immobile. Uh, Isaacson, as well as another player, I think is going to be a good vice player. But I think Zakani and Felipe Anderson is going to be uh, wonderful, wonderfully teamed up with Chiri Immobile. I think having Pedro and um, you and I both talked about how we like their center backs. I think Romagnola and Casale are going to build off that fantastic run they had last year. And Provadel is a fantastic goalkeeper. And so... <laughs> I, f- I feel like Sa- this is Saudi's year where he finally gets it all together with his team and they play more consistent. Um, and they finally play against the lower teams the way they've been playing the top teams. And I think Lazio find a way to get second. And for me, the champions are Inter. Inter is just so stacked. And it's not just because they won against Fiorentina. They are a deep team. They have multiple facets to the game that we talked about last week. They can win ugly games. They can win the blowout games. They know how to play in Europe now. I mean, obviously, you got a cup merchant in, in Zaghi. But Inter just seem like this different animal now. They play with all this confidence, and a lot of it's led by their captain, Mar- Lautaro Martinez. Um, and you got now a, a added confidence, adding like guys like a Taram, adding like a Jan Sommer. People don't know who Sommer is. Sommer is a really good goalkeeper. I mean, ask anybody, who, ask the, mm-hmm. uh, the, the Azzurri when they played against him in, in a penalty shootout. He is a good goalkeeper. Um, and so they got a steal with him. I just love everything that Inter is doing right now, and I think Izagi is finally going to get his, his uh, Scudetto. Okay. Um, well, here's my top four. Number four, Roma. I'm buying it. I think that I think the acquisitions. I think the talent. I think it comes together, and I think they make a charge. Um, I uh, 
if you think you may in fifth and FIGC will have to create <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, Come on, investigate, investigate away. So I I'm, I'm buying in on Roma. It's a sloppy start. It's an ugly start. It's not what they hoped for. Um, I think they get this figured out and I think they get this fixed. Yes. The defending definitely concerns me if, if, if you leave those guys out in one V one situations. But I think that I, I, we, we, we see adjustments and I think that hopefully, you know, Mourinho's in a place where he is obviously, he's obviously burned bridges at other places in his third season, wherever he's gone. Yeah. Um, does he have does he have the maturity to re- to learn from that? You know, history says no. He has too much of an ego that he's going to be stubborn. But I'm going to trust the talent that's there at Roma uh, to go ahead and grab fourth and be back in the Champions League next season. Dybala gets healthy. You have you have a depth of playmakers. You have a depth of wingbacks. You know, the goalkeeping and the defense is what's killing you right now. But I think that they come up with a plan uh, to account for those deficiencies if they can't completely if they can't if they can't completely eliminate them. Uh, I think Napoli's third. It is really, really hard to repeat as a league champion, especially in this league, as there's been a different champion. What? How many times? Like Napoli, Milan, Inter, Juve. So in the last four years. There's been a different champion, so I don't think they repeat. I think the defensive frailties were on display, and they were in a very, very limited sample against Lazio. You know, what what does Napoli do when a team has more possession and creates more chances? Um, you know, it's, it's pretty scary. Um, at number two, I'm going with Milan. I think that what they do going forward and what they do in attack is going to be very, very difficult for the rest of the league to stop. Um it's where they're a little naive in the back and some of the – I don't know if Roddy Krunic can keep doing what he's doing throughout the 38-game season. <laughs> he might have to if Benazir is not ready, yeah. and that's scary. because And then if there is a Krunic injury or a suspension, Pioli says Adli can do it. You know, Musso too, possibly. Or even Musso, but can they? Um, so I have questions there. Um so my questions with Milan are very much like my questions with, with Roma. Certain defensive situations where where they could get exposed and 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 how do they how do they deal with it? And number one for me, I, I I'm going with Inter winning the title. I hope I'm wrong as a Milan fan, but I got to pick with my mind here. And I I just yeah. think I I think that it's only been three games, but they have won them in completely different ways. And if you're going to win a Scudetto, you have to win them in completely different ways. We need to see them deal with adversity. Right. Yeah. Um, RLC did it a few times at Chelsea. Well, we'll see, you know, um, we'll see, but let's come back to Inter. They do need to deal with some adversity. Okay. They do need to have a fixture uh, like when they were at Spezia, where they had so much of the ball and so much of the chances, but still lost to one. Yeah. And how do they get up and react from that? Or how can they, deal with those situations you know if they've if they've really fully there's something to be said about the continuity of a team where the transfers that you bring in are uh complementary pieces and not necessarily guys you're expecting to just take over games because that's what that's what inter needed to do and it it may actually kind of made me laugh listening to a lot of inter twitter out there talking about how we don't want to get this guy we're not getting this guy we're screwed we're look at what milan's doing 
they need depth. Like, you don't need to do any. You need guys that can complement what you have. Yeah. You know, and sometimes that's what a Mercato is all about. You don't need to completely reinvent the system. You were just in the damn Champions League final and damn near beat Manchester City. Yeah. Okay. You just need pieces that you can plug in and complement what you got going on. And so far, it's off to a really, really good start. Yeah. So, and I think given Inzaghi's track record, um, you know, with how he's managed this team, okay, in Cups, he's been much, much better. But I think this is the time that he breaks through and has a league title to go onto that resume with all of those cup victories that he has. So, all right. So we're in lockstep. We both have Inter winning the title. So Calcio, Calcio Twitter can shut up. So <laughs> oh. let's move on to the Mercato since okay. that's like the closest screen I've got. Okay. Give me a team that – give me the team that you think – okay, give me a, a team that won, give me a team that lost, give me a player that won, and give me a player that lost. Oh, man, put me in the spot. Certainly, I think the teams that won, I think Milan won, Inter won. Um, I also liked – I obviously like what Lazio did. You, it's hard to replace SMS, but I think the pieces they brought in were nice. Um, team that lost the Mercato – I would say Juventus really didn't really do much for me. They really moved it, moved the peg for me at all. Um, who else? Uh, Roma did very well. I, I, I got to add that to Roma did very well on their, on their, on their market. Um, yeah, I think it's be Juventus for me in terms of losing. Uh, what was the player that won, player that lost? Yeah. Player, player that. I want to say player that lost. I think it's good for his team. I think a player lost is Lukaku, but he's going to a team that I think is going to suit him well. Is it going to be as well as it was at Inter? No. But I think he'll do good things with with, with Roma. Um, trying to think. Player who won. It's got to be. I would say. Hmm, that's hard. That's hard. Um, I don't know. Who do you, who do you think he won? Let, let me think on that. Um there's a few answers here. I mean, the you know, an obvious one you could probably say is Christian Pulisic with what he you know, what he's gonna get the, the opportunities that he's getting at Milan. Milan probably won because having him has increased the marketability of the club here, at least in the United States. And for the first time in years I actually saw at a soccer store here AC Milan merchant replica merchandise. You had to usually special order it. Skamaka's um, a good shot. Skamaka's a good shot for one. Okay. Um, I don't, you know, so I, I like Skamaka. That's a good shout. Um, I agree with you there. Um, another guy that won. Um, I'm willing to say that Romelu Lukaku won. Okay. So I think he's walking into a situation where he could be the man as, in the striker position where, you know, who knows what's going to happen with uh, with Tammy Abraham. Um you know, and what he's going to be like when he comes back. Um, the player that I think lost is Lazar Samarjic, um, still being at Udinese. Now, that probably that helps Udinese big time, but the whole thing that fell through with Inter, um, and can you imagine what he could bring to that midfield? Probably would have been a vice Barella. Yeah. Um, might have even been able to fit in Chalhanola's role in that midfield. So, Heck, um, I say SMS lost too. Leaving, leaving – you know, Serie A, 
uh, going to a league where they're not going to be many eyes on. I'm sure they're going to people going to see what he's doing just because Ronaldo and, some, and Neymar and some other guys are there. But like, what's he going to do there in, in Saudi Arabia? I think you know more eyes would have been home in Syria to be really known as one of the best midfielders in the world. Now he's going to be like a forgotten thought uh, going to a league that nobody cares about. Uh, and he's you know Lazio will move on from him, but. When SMS was on his game, he was one of the best midfielders in the league, and now he's gone. He's going to be unknown now. Yep. Um, I think another another team that you could say is – I'm with you on Juventus. They, they, they hardly did anything here. Um, so it's, uh, you know, Moise Can coming back, Timothy Weah, really the only ones of note. And then they had obviously a lot of exits, and a lot of that had to account for – that that European revenue is not coming in anymore. So I guess I can, I can go with Skamaka being the winner. He's in a, he's in an attack that uh, is going to have, give him, get him in a position where he's going to have a chance to score a lot of goals. So um, you look like you're going to say something. Oh, no, say Anthony from uh, Inter Worldwide just joined the chat. And I was going to say, you missed it. We both picked out Inter to win the Scudetto this year. So you're going to hate us now. Yep. Yep. We've, we've cursed, we've cursed your team, Anthony. So, but that's it. So I'll go, I'll go Skamaka as the winner. As far as players, I'll go with Samarjic as a loser. I mean, he, he had a chance to be, he, he had a chance to be an end things fell through and now he's still a Dudenese. I mean, he's eventually, I, he's going to move on to another club. The talent is too good. Um, winners for me, he, I mean, losers as far as club Juventus for sure. Uh, just not doing enough. And I think Milan, I think with the way they've transformed their club. So, um, <laughs> Anthony, <laughs> sorry, bud. We're not doing it. We're not, we're not, we're not, we're, we're doing it because that is our educated opinion of what we think is going to happen. Not because we're trying to, uh, create a curse. So. Hey, we both picked Juventus fifth too. So <laughs> this is true. This is true. Inter and Milan fighting in the Scudetto race. Yeah, that's what I've got. I've got Inter 1, Milan 2. What are your thoughts on, uh, on Mercato? Onana and Hoyland going to Manchester United. Now, obviously, Manchester United is a historical club, but they're not having the best of times right now. Uh, Onana's obviously struggled to start off the season with Manchester United. Uh, who knows how Hoyland's going to transfer to that game? I mean, thoughts on their moves away from Serie A? I think that Inter and Atalanta were, would have been silly to not sell them. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I think that it's sometimes, I mean, it's the same thing with Tonali going to Newcastle. Yeah. And these clubs are coming at you and they said, yeah, we want uh, $65 million for Tonali. It's like, okay, here, sign. Yeah. Okay, we'll sign off on that. You know, I mean, as much as I, I, I adore Sandro Tonali, I think he's a tremendous player. Yeah. Um, and it was sad to see him go, but I was like, you know what? At the end of the day, I support the shirt. Um. I'll have a soft spot for players that played for it, maybe except for Donnarumma. Um, but uh, but at the end of the day, you support the shirt. Yep. So, uh, and you support the badge on it. So, um, uh, so Calcio with Reno Z is saying Juventus will still be top four. <laughs> uh, give Calcio's Reno a follow on YouTube. <laughs> Good guy. Good Juventus supporter there. Yep. Can't can't I got him I got him fifth. Richards got him fifth. I think that that's and I think that that's fair based on what we've been discussing. So, um, but they could prove us wrong. Um, so where was I? Um, 
Oh, to, uh, the, the 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 sales. Yeah, I mean that kind of money you've got to you've got to take it. Yeah. You, I mean the money that you can you can definitely go. Ten Hag will let. I don't think. I think Ten Hag will let Hoyland and Onana carpool to practice. Okay, <laughs> um, probably will. So uh, maybe to be determined. All right, let's take it over to the uh, draws uh, for the European competition, Richard. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let's begin with the Champions League draw. Napoli, Real Madrid is going to be very tasty. Ancelotti coming back to Italy with uh, Braga and Union Berlin. That is Group C. Group D, uh, Inter, Benfica, Salzburg, and Real Sociedad. Uh, Group E, uh, on paper you could argue that Lazio were probably the biggest winners of the four Serie A teams, getting a group with Atletico Madrid, Feyenoord, and Celtic. I might be con- I'm going to be contrarian on that. Boy, Lazio fans are going to listen to this and think I just hate Lazio. It's not that. It's just what I'm seeing, guys. Come on. And then the the most publicized and most talked about group, uh, Group F, Paris Saint-Germain, Borussia Dortmund, Milan, and Newcastle. Oh. Um, let's um, – we should be playing Champions League, not Milan. I uh, if you if 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 you had people that weren't breaking rules, then yeah, you would be in the Champions League. <laughs> Reno, that's it, it. Finally, got it. Finally, caught up with them. Mm-hmm. Let's but talk about the Champions League uh, draw here and, and your overall reaction. All right, so I'll start first with the the, the obviously elephant in the room, the group of death. Uh, it might be one of the best groups of deaths I've ever seen. Paris Saint Germain, Dortmund, and Newcastle with Milan. This is a difficult. I mean, if you look on name alone, this is a fantastic draw. As someone put it, I don't remember who it was. They said this is a great venue just to go to all the venues, right? Go to go to a great stadium, you know, go to uh, Paris to see PSG, go see the Yellow Wall at Dortmund, go to Newcastle the Tune, um, and obviously San Siro. This is this is a difficult draw, but I'm oddly comfortable with this because Milan tend to play up to their opponents and play down to their opponents. Um, Paris PSG is not the same team that they were before, right? No more Neymar, no more Messi. They still got Mbappe. He's freaking fantastic. And they got some really good talented players there, but they're not the team that scares everyone that that like they used to. No Zlatan anymore, no Cavani, right? Uh, but name a few. But this team still has something to worry about. Obviously, you got to worry about Mbappe uh, and and a few others. Uh, Dembele seems to have a resurgence in his career. Uh, joining PSG it's still early on. Um, they just handed Leon like a four one four one loss uh, just the other day. So. PSG is something to worry about, but they're they can be had. Their defense, uh, and I obviously seen Donnarumma, I think would be fantastic. Get a, get some goals on him, throw money at him, uh, like they did with the, uh, the Zuri game back in the day. Um, Dortmund, Dortmund, they have talented offensively. Uh, they have some youngsters that you got to watch. Obviously, guys like Drew Bellingham is no longer there. Jaden Sancho is no longer there. But they have some other talented players there. They they just missed out on the on the Bundesliga title last year. Just a mind fart at the end of the season where they end up choking it at the end where the Bayern Munich won. But they're good, especially at home. They're very good. They're very fast, and so you have to watch that. Can Milan play smart and, and, and beat them? Yes. Uh, but it's some a team you have to worry about, especially when they're at home. Newcastle. Obviously, Newcastle had a fantastic start to this, uh, or finish to the year last year. This year, not so much yet, but they got talented players. They bought a lot of players, right? You know, more Saudi money there. Uh, and so all three of these teams that Milan have to play against, there's some difficult people you have to worry about. But I think Milan can scheme up plays where, or, or scheme up a plan where they can counteract all the strengths of all these teams. 
assuming Fikayo Tomori doesn't just be completely idiotic and you know get two yellow cards again like he did this this past weekend. I'm oddly comfortable with Milan. This is a super difficult match. I don't know who's going to come out of this group, but I'm oddly comfortable with this. Um, do you want to say your thoughts on this group? I think they can qualify as well. It's not the same PSG. Um, you're not playing. You're, yeah, you got to deal with Mbappe, but you're not dealing with uh, Messi and Neymar anymore. Um, you know, they've had some changes certainly to their team, but they, they they'll be they'll be interesting. I mean, people could say they're not worried. I'm not worried about Newcastle. Um, they're already in away matches against good sides, getting their lunch handed to them. Um, you know, so that's something that, and then they lost a ten man Liverpool, so things aren't necessarily stable there. No. Uh, you know, with the way things are going on, yeah. Borussia Dortmund for me is the most uh, difficult team um, in this group if you're looking at it from a Milan perspective. I think where you can get them is on the on the flanks. Um, we'll see. I, I think Wolf starts on the right, so he'll be the matchup with Leao. Um, and then with, with Pulisic coming back to Dortmund, I think that's a good storyline. Much being made about Donnarumma and Tonali returning to the San Siro. Yeah. Uh, but that's another storyline there. Uh, but I I like Milan to qualify. I don't know if they'll win the group. <clears throat> um, with, where I have the difficulty is trying to figure out who they at whose expense do they qualify over. Is it PSG or is it Borussia Dortmund? Because um, <clears throat> I think they're pretty level. I don't know if Milan win this group. Um, I think they need to qualify stuff. or lose out altogether. I don't. I don't want to go to this Europa League stuff if they want to battle for the Scudetto. Yep, exactly. So, um, I'll say that Paris finishes third. Um, okay. you know, I think that. Uh, well, let me walk that back. Um, I'll say yeah. I sell. I'll say Paris, Milan, Dortmund, Newcastle in that order. Um for uh for group f group e with lazio now i am not in lockstep with everybody thinking lazio qualify okay firenord have enough left firenord have enough to them uh and they proved it when they played each other in the uh in the europa league that they can give lazio some trouble and now lazio don't have sergey milinkovic savic so that's something that maybe needs to be considered here um, you know, how effective is Kamada going to be by this time? He's struggled in his first couple of games. Of course, he scored against um, uh, uh, Napoli here uh, recently. But, um, you know, what are we uh, what are we dealing with? What what are we looking at here when we talk about uh, this Lazio team? I, I'm not convinced and if i'm not convinced i actually think this Feyenoord team is pretty good okay they're still scoring a ton of goals they haven't lost yet in the uh and i get it it's the air divisier but they've scored 13 goals in four games okay uh arnie slot still there managing the team uh they brought over um ivan Usech from uh dinamo zagreb santiago jimenez is still there bilo is still the goalkeeper okay so the pieces are still there um, uh, Ale Reza's there, uh, a player that you know. Um, I'm, I'm looking at the rest of this team. It doesn't look like uh, uh, the guy that I really liked for them, though, was Orkun uh, Kukchu. 
uh, the playmaking midfielder, the, the Turkish international, he's not with them anymore. Um, but they've reloaded and they've got a, they've got a side that can give you some trouble. Um, and they could give this uh, Lazio side some trouble. I really like Atletico Madrid uh, with some of the attacking options, with Griezmann, with Depay. Um, you know, so... Nine goals for one goal against so far this season. Yep, yep. So I think that I'm going to make the sensational call here that say Lazio don't qualify out of this group. Atletico Madrid win it, Feyenoord second, Lazio third, Celtic fourth. Yeah, I think, you know, I agree in the sense that I think Atleti are going to be difficult. Uh, obviously, they defense is their name of their game, but they, they can score some goals too. They got some decent playmakers on their team. I think they will be the team that leads this group, wins this group. Mm-hmm. It's going to come down to Lazio and Feyenoord. It's going to be, how does Lazio play this? Do they try to go for the shootout and try to keep uh, outscore Feyenoord? Or they try to be a little more tactful uh, and try to take their moments we're going to need to see, with no SMS there, Luis Alberto is going to be top of his game. Pedro's going to have to be influential for them. You know, Zakani, Felipe Anderson, Immobile, they're going to have to do things. How how will Lazio's focus be? Will it be will it be in the Champions League? It should be, but you never know. Emerson Sarri has won Europa League before with Chelsea, but it, it seems like when, since joining Lazio, is it, their focus hasn't always been there at times. It's like they mostly focus on the league. That'll be the trick for me. I think... If they if they take this seriously, they can just get Feyenoord. I think they would finish second, Feyenoord third, Celtic fourth. Um, but I think uh, you know you can't discount also playing at Celtic. It's always difficult to go there yeah. uh, with that amazing crowd that they have. So I mean, all of these locations are fantastic. But I think Atleti, Lazio, just over Feyenoord, and then Celtic last. Yep. Okay. So you've got Lazio going through. Yeah. Okay, I've got him going out. You like you're higher on Lazio than I am this year. I am. This is true. Okay. Group D: Inter, Benfica, Salzburg, Real Sociedad. Sociedad. They're a tricky team to try to figure out. They've got some playmakers. They 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 play a little organized. You know, um, Salzburg aren't the Salzburg of a few years ago. They still have some players. Um, and then Benfica. You know, obviously, have a lot of quality. It's a it's a tougher group than you think for Inter, but I think Inzaghi's cup experience will help see this through. I think they win the group, um, uh, and I think they win it narrowly over Benfica. Uh, and I think that Sociedad come in third, and I think Salzburg get bounced from this group. Yeah, I think uh, it is. Going to be closer than Interisti would like, right? Uh, on paper, you're thinking, oh, Inter should walk this group, but it's never easy with Inter, right? Even with the cup experience that Izanga brings, I, I, I certainly think Inter is going to win it, but uh, like you, I think just barely over Benfica. Benfica are a team you can't trifle with. Um, I think, though, you said Salzburg is not going to qualify. I think Salzburg finished third and Sociedad fourth. But okay. Inter, Inter is so good. I think they, they're going to win the group. Yeah. Um, I just I like Sociedad's experience over Salzburg here okay. to, to finish third. That's where I'm going there. Uh, and Group C, Real Madrid, Napoli with Real Madrid, Braga, and Union Berlin. I mean, everyone's just going to sit there and say, okay, it's Napoli and Real Madrid. Move on with our lives. I, 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 I agree with that. But don't – does Braga have attacking players? Ricardo Horta is an outstanding player. And they will give you fits. Okay, Union Berlin – 
have a way about them. You know it from your boon, from 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 the Bundesliga that you watch that you don't have to like it, but they get results. Um, I still say Real Madrid win this group. Napoli finished second, but I'll go with Braga. Boy, it's it's you know third and fourth is a is really hard when it comes to that. I think Braga is going to beat either Napoli or Real Madrid. Okay. They won't beat them both, but I think they're going to claim a win over one of them. But in the end, it's not going to be enough for them to qualify, and they're going to finish third. And I'll go Union Berlin fourth. Who do you have winning the group, you said? Real Madrid. Okay, Real Madrid. Okay, yeah, yeah. I'm not, yeah hands down. <laughs> if this is Luciano Spalletti's Napoli, I would say Napoli could win the group. Uh, but I agree. Yeah, I think Real Madrid is going to be an entertaining group. Um, and this is, for me, a close to a group of death match as you can. It was not like the group F, but it's a pretty good, pretty good group. Um, obviously Braga, our team, that's uh, all Portuguese teams are very good. Union Berlin is very good. Uh, especially when you play at the Alta Forest, Forest Array in, uh, Berlin, um, daunting place to play there. It's a small venue, but it's very loud. Um, so it's going to be interesting for any team that goes to those locations, but I think Real Madrid are the class of the group. They got some, obviously, playmakers all throughout their lineup and Chilotti is going to have this team there's a team ready they should win the group um i don't think they're going to have all wins i i, I like your shout about braga getting a win i think i can see napoli getting a win against real madrid at home um i'm going to say napoli get out of this group in second place but ever so slightly ahead of braga and union i think i think those three teams Braga, Union, and uh, Napoli are very close in points. I think Napoli, I mean, uh, Real Madrid have the lion's share of the points in this group, but I think Napoli just get through the skin of their teeth um, getting by. So, yeah, Napoli move on. Okay, so you've got well, I've four. got Napoli enter and Milan going through with Lazio going out. You've got all four teams going through? I have Milan at second F behind PSG and Dortmund in third. So, yeah, okay. all, all four. Okay, I've got Remember. lots. I've got lots. Yeah, you're 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 banging the drum a little bit louder than I am. So, all right, we've got two Serie A teams in the Europa League. Atalanta is in Group D with Sporting Lisbon, Sturm Graz, and Rakov. This is a tougher group than and people can look at. They're going to look at the names. They're going to say, "Oh, it's Atalanta and Sporting going through." Who? Um, okay, Rakov, Chestakova. They've got some attackers. I watched these guys play a little bit against Copenhagen in the. Uh, uh, UEFA, UEFA Champions League qualifying, and I, there's a there's a style to the way they there's a way they play. I think they can frustrate Atalanta. I don't think they're gonna, you know, they may they may win the home game against Atalanta. I think they're in Poland. Um, Sturm Graz has a couple of decent players. Um, you know, Sporting Lisbon, uh, I think they suffered some losses here, but they they've picked up some people. I, I can't bet against Atalanta. I, I think Sporting Lisbon win the group with Atalanta finishing second. Um, but it would not surprise me if Sturm or Rockoff made a little noise in this group. Yeah, yeah. I would. I really wouldn't be surprised if Sturm Graz made some noise uh, in this group. Um, it's, a, it's a difficult group. Uh, like I said, it's more difficult than you would think. Uh, but it, it, it is a decent group, actually. Um, and we don't know what kind of Atalanta we're going to see. We don't. Um, I'm going to say, I think I'm with you. I think sporting win Atalanta just over Sturm Graz and Rakow. Mm. Rakow. So. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So we got sporting Lisbon winning that group over Atalanta. Roma's group is with, uh, Slavia Prague, Sheriff and Servette. I mean, Roma, 
should win this without breaking a sweat, but they've been known to make it interesting against teams like these, especially when they'll do some, they'll probably end up in some games where they'll have a, a decent amount of rotation. Um, Servette pushed Rangers in the second to last qualifying round in the Champions League before ultimately getting eliminated. Sheriff's been kind of a unit, a, they're out of Moldova. They've been a, a European fixture here for some years. They were, you know, Famously in the uh, group stage in the UEFA Champions League when they beat Real Madrid, was it a couple seasons ago? Um, you know, they're not particularly the same team that they used to be, you know, at that point. And I, I Roma win this group. Um, you know, go for the sensational and say Sheriff finished second. Oh, look at you. Look at you. Yeah, I think. I think both Slavia Pra and then Sheriff will make it interesting for Roma more, more so than it needs to be. Uh, Servette. Not as familiar as you with them, but um, you know, watching what they did against the Rangers, it certainly has my interest. Um, I would not be surprised if Sheriff pulled an upset against one of Slavia Praha or Roma for sure. Um, I think it'll be close. I think this is going to be no team is going to run away. I think it's going to be very close. But I, I'm with you there, Roma winning this group, and I'd say Slavia Praha just just get past Sheriff. Okay. And then finally in the Conference League, uh, Fiorentina steps in and is in the Conference League. What if, I mean, they're in a good, this is a fun group that they're yeah. going to be in. I mean, this is, there's no guarantee they qualify out of this. I mean, Ferenc Yeah, Ferenc Varos out of Hungary, uh, Genk out of Belgium, and then uh, Chukarichki. Is that how I pronounce it? Sounds good to me. Where are they from? We're going to learn something together here, everybody. They're Serbian. Uh, okay. FK Chukarički. Okay. I think I pronounced that correctly. So couldn't even tell you who plays for them. Um, but I do know Ferenc Varos has some talented players they can attack. Genk has put in some, uh, you know, they always produce good players, you know, that move on to bigger and better things. Tough group for Fiorentina. I still think they survive it. Um, I think... They win the group narrowly, uh, and they win it over Ferencvaros. I think Ferencvaros knockout Genk. They've got slightly more experience at this level than Genk do. Yeah, yeah. Um, man, I was looking at some of these other groups uh, in the Conference League. I mean, there's some really good games going on. It's been interesting yeah. to watch Conference League this year. Uh, but, yeah, no, I'm with you on the shot with Fiorentina. Uh, just getting by this group with Ferencvaros and Genk. Um and Chukarichki uh, coming in last, but uh, Azad yeah, Alkmaar against Azad Alkmaar against Aston Villa and Legia Warsaw, yeah, yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah, there's some uh, good games. There's gonna be Club Bruges against Bodo Glimt. Yeah, and Besiktas as well, and mm-hmm. Donetsk and Lugano. And anyway, um, <laughs> yeah, let's get on to Fiorentina. Fiorentina, I think they're gonna ride the momentum that they had last year. I mean, I know you weren't higher them in the, in the City A this year. Um, I think they they should, with the talent they have, be able to get through this group. It's gonna be. It's going to be difficult. It certainly is. Um, like you mentioned, three uh, the other three teams are fairly decent. Certainly the two, Genk and, and Ferencvaros. Um, but Fiorentina, I think, they have enough. And I think they're going to, you know, I trust uh, Vincenzo Italiano to drop the right you know, plans to go against these teams and get the, get the victory because, you know, he got a taste of it last year. Saw what they could do. They can do multiple competitions at one time and, and be successful at it. So, yeah, I'm going with Fiorentina just ever so slightly. Uh, we'll really see what they're made of in the knockout rounds. Yep. Okay. Uh, so that's the 
we're whipping right through it. And let's uh, let's just finish it off with our uh, our reaction here to uh, Spalletti's uh, first uh, Syria call ups. Let's uh, let's go. I'll let you go ahead and read through it. All right. So moving in and goal, we got Dollar Roma, Donnarumma, Maret, Provadel, and Vicario, four mm-hmm. good goalkeepers. Uh, in defense, you got Bastoni, Biragi, Casale, good for Casale, uh, Darmian, Di Lorenzo, Di Marco, Mancini, Romagnoli, good for him, Scalvini, and Spinazzola. Uh, moving on to the midfielders, you got Barella, Cristante, Fratesi, Locatelli, Pellegrini, Pessina, and Tonali. And moving to the attack, you got Chiesa, Gnonto, Immobile, Politano, Raspadori, Retegui, Zaccani, good to see him in there, and Zagnolo. Uh, interesting lineup, actually, and good to see. There's a lot of guys who were in uh, blacklisted by Mancini and Spalletti's brought those guys just right back. So, hey, we want the best players available. So, Yep. So they're at North Macedonia and they host Ukraine. Um, we already know that, I mean, the North, North Macedonia is going to be a massive revenge game for them. Yeah. Um, with uh, how, the, you know, North Macedonia denied them. Qualifying and, and Italy you have to get going here. I mean, the nice thing that they've got going for them is they've played, you know, only two games so far in this group. England's played four, Malta's played four, Ukraine and North Macedonia have played three. So they have a chance to work their way back up the standings. And if they can uh, win both of their games, they'll be back in second uh, behind England. So, um, you know, presumably. So. Um, I'm with Apex that Udogi is the only big miss. I think he's gotten off to a decent start playing for Tottenham Hotspur. Um, yeah. But it's hard to argue when you've got DiMarco and Spinazzola playing really well. There's no room for Udogi. So, Di Lorenzo makes the team, which you which you like to see. Just looking at the defenders, I I, I can't really. He's your captain too, Di Lorenzo. Yeah, I I, I can't really have a disagreement. Um. I mean, if you want to really nitpick Udogi over Biragi, sure, but that's it. I mean, and I, I don't, but I don't think I do that. I, I, I like it as it is set up. I don't know if I have Mancini in this team, but at the same time, I also don't know who you replace him with. Who starts in defense for you? Uh, I would like to see Casale and Romagnoli start. I would too. Um, who knows if Spalletti actually goes with that? Uh, Donnarumma will be the goalkeeper. It's going to be hard to get around that. Spinazzola and Di Lorenzo should be the fullbacks. Yeah. Uh, Di Marco may have a say in that on the left-hand side. Well, yeah. I think Spalletti making a statement saying that we're moving on from the way it was being done. No Bonucci, no Jorginho. Um, uh, so Toloi not in the team. Uh, agreed, Anthony. Uh, so they've made some changes there. Uh, Reno thinks Raspadori needs to start. I heard rumors of Raspadori. They might go with a false nine with Raspadori. Who knows? We'll see. That could be a possibility. He has shined in that role. Um, Skamaka missing from this, but I also understand it. Yeah. Uh, because he's just getting his legs under him at Atalanta. Um, but we'll see. Um, and then Berardi, too, was just getting fit as well. Otherwise, I think he'd factor into this somehow yeah. um, over Politano. Uh, but other than that, I just, it's it's hard to really argue with the with the team that they've put together here. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, 
Donnarumma is obviously going to get the start, but I would love to see Provadel in there or even Moret. Uh, defense, you know, I like the, I like the shot about Casale and Romagnoli, though I think Bassoni will probably figure in that at some point. I, I, I would go DeMarco over Spinazzola. Uh, Di Lorenzo is obviously he's the captain. He's going to be playing. He's going to be starting. Uh, midfield, uh, obviously, Barella is going to be the main guy. You would imagine Pellegrini and Locatelli would be the other two. But we'll see. Maybe he inserts uh, Tonali in there. Maybe it goes with a veteran like Pessina. We'll see there. Attack is where I'm interested in. Um, I think you need to ride the wave that is Matias Akanyi and put him in his left-wing position. That is Chiesa's position, but Chiesa is a versatile player. I say you put Chiesa on the right. You can play him on the right, yeah. Yeah, and I'd say try Retigui with those guys up there um, and see what he can do. And, you know, if he can't, you know, you obviously can have Raspadori or Inimobile or bring Agnoto on one of the wings or something like that. But I want to see what he can do. And obviously you can have Sagnolo be a vice to Chiesa. Um, Politano is also a vice on the right right side as well. He can play a little bit everywhere too. But, uh, yeah, I want to see what the, what the new guy can do and in, in, in attack with the Chiesa and, and Zakani there. Yep, I agree. Um, I have no problems with any of those ideas. So um, we'll see who, you know, how he shapes. I mean, the three-man midfield we'll see. will be interesting to see how he shapes that too. Yeah. So uh, Berella's in for sure. Um, it's it's who's in the Jorginho role if this continues to be the same 4-3-3. Three, three, yeah. Um, that becomes interesting. Um, uh, you probably look at Pellegrini getting in there. Maybe it's Locatelli. Uh, um, so we'll, uh, we'll see what, uh, Spalletti cooks up. Uh, but we see them play first on Saturday at North Macedonia and then Tuesday at home against Ukraine. So should be exciting. So yeah, we'll see what their scene's made of. Let's come back next week and preview the Derby della Madonina. We don't even yeah. need so yeah, why not? Why not? And cover some other things and maybe do give give the Who One Culture Twitter its due next week. So Okay. Sounds good to me. I'm, they're gonna be quiet this week because there's you know, there's no club, so there's no banter. We'll I don't know. Lex has been on fire with uh Dibala Lex with his uh her uh, uh rants because he hasn't been scoring goals. <laughs> but that uh, we'll have some good ones, I'm sure. That's true. This is true. So we'll see what happens. So um all right. Well, I think we're ready to put a bow on this edition of City. I sit down, uh, Richard. Anything to anything else to throw to the people that they should be aware of? I always want to plug stuff, and then I forget when it's time. This time of the podcast comes. It's a long podcast. Um, yeah, we had a lot to cover tonight. Yeah, um, I can't think of everything at the moment. I'm, I'll tweet it out if I think of it. Uh, but you can, as always, follow me at r underscore k h a r m a n. You can follow me at ftc underscore twenty one. Um. And you can tell that it's late. I'm tired. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, sit down. We have our own channel on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, uh, uh, and uh, we can be found on Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, wherever there's podcasts. There is Sedia Sit Down uh, at Sedia Sit Down on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, with any questions, comments, uh, anything else you want to see uh, followed for future podcasts, uh, we're also available on Facebook. Uh, so check us out there. Um, cityasitdown.com. Uh, check out our website as well. So, um, there's all of that here on the YouTube channel. Uh, if this is your first time watching this video and you enjoyed it, please drop a like. If you didn't enjoy it, please drop a like anyway. Um, subscribe to the channel, hit that notification button, uh, or hit that notification bell, 
uh, because it will um, give you a uh, uh, a heads up when we're back live or when we're doing a video drop or anything of that ilk. So uh, that reminds me, uh, we did. Uh, I just did a video over the weekend. I think it was Friday night of all the Who on Couch Twitter from this past summer. So check it out if you want to re- relive those. I know I saw Apex. Uh, I think George was in there. Anthony obviously was in there as well. Uh, but you know, reliving back all the all the memes from this summer because there were a lot. And I think Napoleonismo won again. That mastered his craft. So, yeah, uh, Napoleonismo is the best at, at at what he does. Absolutely, no doubt about it. So. So yeah, check that out. Check out some of the other video drops that we've had, some of our uh, conversations we've had about what we've seen tactically, how we've seen things starting to evolve here over the first three match weeks of the season. Um, and uh, we will be next back next week. We will drop a preview of the Derby della Madonnina, among other things. There's a couple of other big games. I believe Lazio and Juventus go at it next yes, week too. Sir. Yes, sir. When we get back. So, uh, so we will have all of that ready to go for you. Maybe touch a little bit on what's been going on with the Azzurri first impressions of Spalletti's version, and we'll go from there. So that is it for this edition of Serie A Sit Down Chat. You guys were awesome. Thank you all for your comments, your takes, and uh, uh, and, and hanging out with us. Um, we'll see you all next Tuesday night. For Richard, I'm Frank, and as always, make sure you tell the Paisans about us. Ciao. Let's go!